Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. A few months ago, I asked Nigel Farage whether the change in tack on Rishi Sunak's government policies for net zero were a sign of the times, whether this was going to continue and whether net zero might actually peak. And boy, was he right, because at the moment we've got governments all across Europe, especially reversing and delaying and even in some cases completely changing their positions on these climate change policies. Nigel, today we're going to go through a bit of a tour of Europe to see what's been going on. And we're going to ask you whether or not we have reached peak net zero. Let's take it away with the EU level side of things. We've got, um, believe it or not, the European Commission giving in to the farmers on trying to save the planet. They've decided to reverse quite a few of their key policies, specifically some of the ones that the farmers were upset about, including eating meat as one of them. What do you make of this reverse? We look country by country, but the big one's the EU, because these days governments care more about international agreements, supranational agreements, than they care about domestic agreements. And of course, it's through the European Union that a series of targets were agreed way back in 2000, was when this all started, that you know 20% of all energy would come from renewables, that was then up to 30%. So what happens at EU level matters, and you know whether you're a farmer or whatever business you're in, the rules and regulations that dominate your life come from Brussels. So here's, this is what's really interesting. This started, of course, in the Netherlands with the farmers' protests, with dramatic election results, firstly at provincial level, then at national level, where Geert Wilders wins the most votes in the last general election. And we've seen farmer protests, and we've seen them in Germany on a huge scale. We've seen them right across Europe. But when it comes to the French, when it comes to revolting, the French are the best, and the best by far. So the eight major routes into Paris blocked threats that tractors were on the way to Rogis, which is the big, biggest food market in the world, actually. Um, and they try and starve Paris out. Now, that didn't happen, but the siege of Paris was happening. What did Macron do? He said, right, guys, hang on. I'm going to Brussels. I'm going to Brussels to ask for a change in the rules. In doing that, he admitted that sovereignty no longer lay in Paris. You know, that, that he had to go uh, to Brussels. And of course, this coincided with quite dramatic and often violent protests that took place in Brussels itself. And in the face of mob rule and a sudden understanding that a huge electoral significant sector, you know, only one and a half percent of the European economy is agriculture, but symbolically, it's very big. And of course, it takes up a third of the EU's budget through subsidy. So the EU always thought they had the farmers and the rural vote in their pocket. Suddenly, they don't. And in the face of mob rule, the European, the unelected European Commission, my old friends, if you remember, without reference to national governments, without reference to the European Parliament, I mean, goodness gracious me, we wouldn't want elected people getting involved in this now, would we? And she, with a stroke of a pen, von der Leyen, with a stroke of a pen, is able to get rid of a whole series of targets on nitrogen, methane, meat-eating, etc. And so Macron goes back to the farmers and says, look, 
we've got this great victory. And governments all over Europe go back and say, we've got this great victory. Uh, they believe, I think, the Commission, that by doing that, they will have quelled the growing Eurosceptic tide as we head towards the European elections, which take place between the 6th and 9th of June this year. Actually, all they've done is to feed the beast. Because the farmers... Are, you think, I mean, you think about it. If you're French, it doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter who represents you in the Assemblée Nationale. They have no relevance to your life as a farmer. None. None. All the relevance, everything that affects you, actually lies in Brussels. So this is a dramatic, <clears throat> dramatic U-turn on net zero and a whole host of other environmental targets. It's really, really big stuff. Um, and I suspect uh, we'll see at national level further easings as well. So it's a very, very significant turnaround. I mean, you know, equally here, I mean, we are now, of course, sovereign in these areas. But overnight, we've learned that the the magical, mythical 28 billion uh, that Keir Starmer was going to pour into the green economy, that's been scrapped. Uh, it would appear that in America, for the moment, Biden is still going full steam ahead. Uh, but this will become, of course, a major election, election issue as November the 5th looms. So, yes, we have absolutely reached peak net zero. But I think just, just a growing understanding of two things, two very simple things. The first is that none of this stuff works without subsidy. And that subsidy gets put onto consumers' bills. Uh, you know, it is expensive. Your electricity bills are expensive. EVs are a lot more expensive than buying conventional petrol and diesel cars. And actually, when you look at the rowback we've seen in the last fortnight, both from Renault and from Volvo, who are scaling back production, you realize actually the only EV market that will exist is Chinese anyway. Um, so these things are happening quickly. And secondly, I mean, I've been saying this for years and felt like I'm banging my head against a brick wall. But, you know, Paul Talbot in South Wales closing, the fact that we're on the verge of the United Kingdom not being a producer of primary steel, that's all. And even the electric arc furnace, which is due to come to Paul Talbot, which, of course, recycles secondhand steel. It makes a lower quality of steel. Even that only opens if Tata are happy with energy prices and they want them guaranteed going ahead from here. So, yeah, we, we, we are deindustrializing uh, The myth of green jobs, I mean, it's all absolute nonsense. And you can look at Biden's Inflation Reduction Act. You know, the only jobs that are created are by borrowing money and feeding in subsidy. It doesn't work. So yeah, the pennies dropped in a very, very big way. I mean, none of this means that people don't care about the environment. They do. Uh, but I do think uh, for investors, I, I suspect we're going to see a dramatic shift uh, where people are going to start saying, you know what? You know what? Even under the UK net zero plans, even if we were to achieve them, which we won't, we're still going to be using huge amounts of oil and gas. You know, we simply have to use huge amounts of oil and gas, even by 2050. And I think sectors like that and nuclear um, are, 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 are going to be very, very strong in the years ahead. Common sense has finally prevailed over one of these orthodoxies. It's amazing, isn't it? The group thing. Everyone agrees, so it must be right. And anyone that questions it is a denier. I mean, it's almost as if I've been guilty of witchcraft 
for the last 15 years. So yeah, really, really big changes. Sorry to interrupt, but if you're enjoying this content, you can get it every single day. Just click the link in the description or go to fortuneandfreedom.com. Get a daily email from our team of experts. Thank you. Do these dilutions just come and go, Nigel, over the years? I mean, financial history is full of them. And it just seems to me that it's in, that makes it quite easy to just be skeptical about whatever the next big thing is. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, it's the old joke, isn't it? The best thing since sliced bread, you know, and it never ever is. And, 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 and it manifests itself in all sorts of ways. It manifests itself in lunacies on the stock market. You can go back centuries and look at tulips and look at the South Sea bubble or whatever it is. Um, uh, but it manifests itself politically, uh, I think, more today than it ever did. Uh, I think I think the power of social media, the mob, the fear of standing alone, uh, the fear of taking on the consensus uh, has driven political parties and political leaders in the West ever closer together on a range of issues. I mean, I... Honestly, I was talking to a very, very senior uh, conservative this week, somebody who's held high office in the last couple of years, about, so tell me, this is over a drink, you know, not on telly. What, what really are the economic differences between you and the Labour Party for the next general election? And apart from 20% on school fees, the answer is nothing. Absolutely nothing. They're going to mirror each other on green policy, they're going to mirror each other on tax policy. Um, and that's what's so exciting, I think, about what's happened in Europe with this farmer's revolt uh, and, and the fact that it's led to these dramatic electoral changes in the Netherlands, which, which, which are a portent of what will happen in the Europeans. So, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think this week to see the European Union about turning in this dramatic style is, is quite something, but also now the realisation of just the sheer amount of power we've given to unelected commissioners in Brussels. Another manifestation of this is that what you're saying in this video a year ago would have been considered quite controversial. Now it's coming from mainstream <laughs> government authorities. There's um, somewhat a Dutch energy envoy, Frederick Veselink, who told the Indian Energy Conference um, that gas was going to be a big part of the energy system going past 2050. Um, you know, so it's, it's no longer to, you know, controversial to come out and say that. Um, but What's new, I think, here is that the government policy is actually changing and not just a little bit at the edges anymore. Um, we've got in Germany an announcement that they're going to build um, quite a few new gas power plants um, between 15 and 20 for about 16 billion euro. But there's a condition, which gets me to the, the point I really want to ask you about. The condition is that these gas power plants have to be able to convert to hydrogen between 2040 and 2045 or have carbon capture technology. And I've noticed over the last week that hydrogen seems to have become the next big, I'm going to call it a scam, it's potentially yeah. a scam, in the same way that wind and solar were the previous scam and sort of the scam that we're recovering from at the moment is the batteries and EV scam. And we seem to have you know, created the latest one, which is hydrogen. We had, of course, that story about yes. hydrogen heaven um, with, for the energy storage. Uh, everyone's just saying, don't worry about all these green, green energy problems. Hydrogen is going to fix it. Are you buying it? And of course, they've kicked it so far down the road that it's almost irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, in political terms, 2040 may as well be 2140. I mean, you know, because it, it comes after so many more election cycles. This is them saying to themselves, we're holding true to the faith 
It's just it can't happen quite yet. Look, Nick, if hydrogen really works, fantastic. But there is very little evidence of that right now. There's huge amounts of money being poured into it, but you have a huge problem with hydrogen with density. You can't get it into a dense form that you need for cars and other things like that. It's just yet another complete racket. And what will happen is vast amounts of taxpayer subsidy will now get pumped into hydrogen, you know, hoping that that's our saviour. I doubt it will be. And in fact, I mean, the British government at the moment is on course to build 18,000 wind turbines between now and 2030. I mean, look, it's not going to happen. But 18,000 wind turbines. And the logic is you fill the North Sea up with wind turbines, you use the excess energy when you don't need it, topic we discussed within the last couple of weeks. That then makes the hydrogen that you use. It sounds absolutely wonderful. The most virtuous economic circle ever known to man. And as we've learned from all these things, it won't work and it won't happen. You mentioned the consequences of pursuing this policy because what worries me is that we've sort of phased out fossil fuels and now renewables are failing us. Well, what are we going to do? And it looks like this dangerous industrialization issue is popping up in Germany. Yeah. They've got factory output falling for the seventh consecutive month, which is the worst surpassing 2008. It might be the, the worst downturn ever, uh, according to Bloomberg or writers. I've forgotten which of the two. So have we dug ourselves into a hole here that even sort of fudging the energy rules isn't quite going to save us from? No, no, fudging the rules isn't enough. All that fudging the rules will do is to slow the rate of decline. But the West is the West is deindustrializing Germany even more dramatically than we are. Um, and we're going to see a very big political backlash against it. In fact, it started its beginning already. Uh, you'll note the rise of the AFD in Germany, the fact that in certain places like Saxony, they're now on 35%. Um, taking a very different view on this stuff. So, uh, yeah, it is all going to change. Who's to blame for, for all of this? Um, presumably, it's got something to do with Mr. Bean. Well, that's what they say, isn't it? I mean, poor old Rowan Atkinson is getting it in the neck from The Guardian for saying that EVs aren't all they're cracked up to be. But that's the point. You know, the group thinkers always have to blame someone. You know, it's it's, it's always Russia or there's always a conspiracy theory somewhere. For the moment, it's Mr. Bean. It's just how we ever went down this route of collective madness that I think is a much more important question. But then, as human beings. Well, thank you for watching. And I hope you agree it's never been more important to take control of your own money, your own financial situation. We do a daily free email, a fortune and freedom daily email with lots of knowledge, lots of insight. It's a very useful way of protecting yourself for the future. So please click the link in the description or go to fortuneandfreedom.com and get my daily email.